This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception, pregnancy, to birth and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who've made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. We're talking with Dr. Sarah Randall today about PTSD related to maternal mental health and how it can show up during pregnancy, birth, or postpartum. Many mothers and fathers deal with the symptoms of PTSD and may not know what's happening. We'll discuss what PTSD is, how it affects moms, and considerations for healing or treatment. Dr. Sarah Randall is a licensed psychologist at Calabasas Behavioral Health, specializing in peripartum mood and anxiety disorders. She also has extensive experience with trauma resolution. Dr. Randall received her doctorate from Pepperdine University, where she's an adjunct professor at the Graduate School of Education and Psychology. Welcome, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Kat. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to know you because I think you're an awesome person in addition to the other things that you do in this world. And I'm so glad that you're in the maternal mental health world and helping support moms to get better. So maybe we can start with how you got into this work. Sure. So I was already really invested in helping people with mood and anxiety disorders. And I had a background in helping resolve trauma for many years. But actually, it was my own experience that brought me to this specific field. And I sometimes joke that I come to this by honest means because I personally had suffered from two miscarriages and a pretty long time trying to conceive. And that was really difficult. And it kind of opened my eyes to how many things have to go right for a pregnancy to go well and for a child to come into this world. So that was sort of the circumstances under which I entered the hospital during my first two-term pregnancy. And unfortunately, I did have a pretty severe problem with my epidural. It is now referred to even by my OB as the botched epidural. And it was extremely painful. And I started to exhibit 
shock symptoms actually right away within the hospital room after 13 hours of laboring already. So I went through kind of a roller coaster of emotions. I was afraid the baby was going to die. I was afraid I was going to die. And I was told I had to have an emergency C-section. And that kind of confirmed it in my mind. And my appraisal was just that I wasn't going to make it. And looking back, I realized that I started making negotiations like, well, maybe if if my baby makes it, it'll be okay. Or, you know, I better say my goodbyes now. And Mm -hmm. I started saying goodbye to my parents and goodbye to my husband and saying Mm -hmm. take care of the baby. And so actually, you know, everything was okay in the sense that we all did leave the hospital and my son was healthy and I was, you know, at least physically healthy. But it really was the beginning of my journey of having a mental health event related to my pregnancy. And I began immediately trying to educate myself about everything I could about mental health related to postpartum. And the funny thing is, is that I realized through this that I have PTSD and panic disorder and being an expert in it in no way helped me or prepared me to recognize it or to cope with it. I really did have to get help outside. So that's kind of how this became my passion. Wow. So, I mean, you went through so much. I mean, that was just like a little snippet, a Cliff Notes version of what you went through. And what you just described has really deep effects. And these things happen to moms. They do. These things and more. So much more. Right. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your story. I think it's so useful for the people who are listening to get a, a sense of, for one, these things happen. And they happen to all of us, just like you said, just because you're an expert and you know these things doesn't make you immune to it. And you also needed your own support. And so other moms need support too. I think it's what PTSD is one of those things though, where you can have all kinds of symptoms and be sort of overwhelmed, but not really know what's going on. Yes, absolutely. You're right. And I didn't really know until, honestly, I didn't actually put it all together until almost a year later. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why, you know, I kind of just shake my head and laugh like, okay, yeah, I write on my website that I'm an expert in trauma resolution, but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what it was because I had no idea how my symptoms were coming together and just really how triggered I was over and over again. We really thought, like most of us are told, that it's just going to get better or, you know, well, it's because you went through something really hard. And even though that's kind of code for you had a trauma, Mm -hmm. it wasn't really resonating with me in a meaningful way. So I think probably what might be helpful is, I mean, I can read to you out of the DSM what PTSD is, but I think it might be a bit more meaningful for me to say partly what I had experienced, but also what I'm seeing moms come in with. Because it isn't exactly what you see in the diagnostic manual. In fact, it looks quite different a lot of the time. PTSD, it's not just a one-off. It's not just the event itself. And when I say the event, like that can mean any portion of your pregnancy. It could be even something somebody said that started you thinking negatively about bad outcomes of your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's much more than that because if it was really just bad events that happen in life, everyone would be walking around with PTSD. Right. You know, life is full of tragedies and not all tragedies are traumatic and not all traumas lead to PTSD. So it really is more than that. Mm -hmm. What a lot of it has to do with is your appraisal of, of the event, like what meaning you make out of it, either in the moment and then in the time afterwards and just how many coping strategies you have either at that moment. And also, again, you talked about resources. 
so much of this has to kind of come together to create PTSD. And I do always love to remind moms and dads that the odds are actually in your favor. And I'm not talking in like a creepy, like Hunger Games kind of way, but like (laughs) the odds are really in your favor. The chances of developing this are slim, but because it can have such far reaching effects if it does happen, it's important to be appraised of everything ahead of time. So what I'm usually seeing women who have PTSD from their birth coming in with is numbness and detaching. They really feel a sense of kind of like they're not really in their life. They're just Mm -hmm. kind of going through the motions. And this is juxtaposed with an intense hypervigilance or hyperarousal. So they we vacillate between being numbed out and feeling like a lack of connectedness Mm -hmm. and then suddenly being catapulted back in. I kind of call it atmospheric reentry. Like you suddenly become really intensely invested in what's going on with baby and what's going on and I need to do something. But what's difficult is to prioritize what to do. And that's a symptom of of extreme anxiety. When we're very anxious, it's very difficult for us to find something a level 10 versus a level one. Where everything Um, feels like a 10. Everything feels like a ton. Like, do I pick up the lint off the floor or do I change the baby? You know, everything seems to demand your ultimate attention. And the other thing I see is that a lot of times we're not getting, some people are coming in, some moms are coming in with flashbacks, and that tends to happen a lot if they had a painful birth trauma. So use of forceps, use of, or, you know, an emergency C-section, things like mm-hmm. that. But a lot of times it's triggers any cues that remind you. It can be the smell of a soap that you were using when you were staying in the hospital. Mm -hmm. It can be going to a follow appointment. It's in the same place that you found out bad news about your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So just reminders. And finally, the main culprit here is insomnia. We know, we expect, we're told from day one that, oh, you know, you're having a baby. Well, you know, sleep in while you can and get all the sleep you can because we all know that sleep gets disrupted. But this is, a major disruption, inability to fall asleep, inability to stay asleep. Mm -hmm. And we're really missing out then on that very important REM state sleep that can help you process traumatic events. So So that's what it looks like. Right. So lots of anxiety, difficulty, like focusing, maybe like you were saying, having everything feel just as important as the next thing. Also complicated with having unexpected reminders of things that were painful either physically or emotionally exactly from coming you know essentially what can feel like out of nowhere right so there's like sometimes maybe like a re-experiencing of things that happened or reminders of things that happened that kind of keep the anxiety high yes and sometimes what I'm hearing mom say is that it's not necessarily even like when we think of flashbacks you know, sometimes you feel like you're right back there again and you, or you may get a vision of something. That is not always the case, but sometimes it's a feeling, a sense of being out of control, a sense of feeling helpless. A lot of times in the birthing scenario, and I do have to say that I think a lot more attention has been brought to this and we are making strides, but there isn't a ton of communication all the time. Mm-hmm. And so moms are having physical experiences and internal worries and imagined outcomes and they're not being communicated with necessarily like those fears assuaged. Oh, specifically during birth? During birth and even sometimes before birth. 
and definitely afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the amount of resources they have, like, am I alone? Am I going to be alone all the time? But sometimes the flashbacks, and I'm using air quotes, which you cannot see, but they're <laughs> there. The flashbacks are to a feeling state or a cognitive appraisal state of I'm helpless, or, I, I can't do this, or I'm all alone. And that can set off the panic or the anxiety just as easily. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So a lot of what you're seeing is people feeling like they were out of control at some point or felt out of control. The situation was out of control to them and they didn't have much ability to do anything about it. Or they were not being communicated to like, you know, I mean, emergency rooms or operation rooms or labor and delivery floors, there's usually doctors buzzing in and out, nurses buzzing in and out. They're not necessarily the best at communicating. So that's part of what you're describing. This, like, Yes. And that leads to like a wonderful question. So what do we do about that? Because obviously the labor delivery ward or any part of a hospital is under tons of demands to be efficient and to react quickly and to save lives and to, you know, deliver lives. And so I don't want to begrudge the whole system, but there really are some things that can be done. I like moms that are pregnant or thinking about being pregnant and dads to really get to know your provider or your potential providers and communicate to them ahead of time. Hey, this is important to me. Who will I be? Who will I be talking to? Who is it likely to be my anesthesiologist if you choose to use one? And really trying to set the tone for an increased amount of communication. It is really okay to ask somebody to slow down and say, why are we doing this again? Yeah. Or, you know, to tell me ahead of time how something might feel mm-hmm. so that I can kind of prepare myself mentally. They seem like small things, but they really do add up. 
And whatever impression you're getting from the staff, you really can ask these questions. And I strongly encourage people to do so ahead of time or in the moment because it really makes a difference in the end when you're looking back and trying to make sense of what decisions were made and how you were feeling during them. Right. So, I mean, on some level, what I'm also hearing is, hey, if you're going to have a birth plan, maybe some of that could also be you're interacting with providers and asking them what's going on or having somebody advocating for you to do that. Yes. Um, Yes. Doula, partner, mom, dad, whomever you can have there, wherever you desire there, that they can even script it. uh They don't need to read your mind, but at every case, you know, ahead of time, what would you like to know? Like, okay, what are we doing next? And what can she expect to feel? Mm-hmm. is just a great prompt to help the providers let you know. Mm-hmm. And that helps to also put a sequencing for your brain to mm-hmm. kind of understand this is what happened and this is why it happened. And this is, mm-hmm. and it gives you a sense of mental preparedness. It doesn't necessarily mean that it will absolutely, you know, protect you from mm-hmm. developing PTSD, but it can greatly reduce your risk. Right. So in terms of like a mom, if a mom is sitting and listening to this, if you can Mm -hmm. just kind of restate on some level, what might she be experiencing or what would like a support person be seeing from her? So, you know, in the early stages, you'd be having an acute stress reaction, but if it goes longer than three months, you know, then it is PTSD. You're probably going to be feeling like a ping pong ball between numb and detached and extremely panicky Mm -hmm. and very over-involved and probably having a lot of difficulty making decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds just like anxiety to a certain degree, but the main difference would be that you're having cues or triggers that are bringing you back to a sense of fear, helplessness, or hopelessness that you experienced at another time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to say also, Kat, that not every birth PTSD is from the actual birth. A lot of women already have PTSD or they've had it resolved. They have a past trauma and the birth itself triggers an Mm -hmm. older trauma event. So if you're a mom who has a history of any sort of trauma and you're feeling some of these old feelings that you thought you'd kind of been laid to laid to rest come up again and they're conflicting with the feelings that you want to be having around your baby, mm-hmm. then I really, really encourage you to go speak to somebody about it because it could be that a prior trauma is coming up and has been triggered by birth. I mean, birth triggers all sorts of stuff. It can sure. it, it changes your biology, it changes your physiology, and it absolutely can change your psychology. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say that those exaggerated startle responses, feeling, again, like you're stuck between being paralyzed and feeling like you need to act all the time would be some of your main cues for PTSD. So for a loved one or family member who is in the same space as a mom who's experiencing this, they may be noticing some stuff, but not necessarily. Is that accurate? Right. Yeah, absolutely. They're probably going to notice mostly something that looks a little bit like anxiety or even depression, like negative appraisals, like I'm no good at this, this isn't going to work out, you know, a lot of hopelessness around it. It tends to look like depression first. And I really tried not to completely geek out before our conversation. But of course, the perfectionist in me, I was going (laughs) online and looking at some articles and stuff like that. 
And I read a few that said that the detection and prevention of depression can actually help prevent the development of PTSD. And so we know that they're highly linked and we know that unresolved PTSD can also lead to depression because a lot of those pathways are really similar. So we always, if you think anything's going on and it's past the three week mark, say something, ask, Uh be curious. It really can't hurt. It really can't. You know, if you think it, your wife or your partner or whomever is not doing so great or is acting a little off and it's been about a month, then definitely encourage them to speak to somebody, a mental health professional, because it's better to know and start taking action early on than right. to try, you know, it's preventative is so much better than reactive. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with sleep deprivation involved that most moms are experiencing anyways. I think what's hard about this is that, and everybody goes through this who is pregnant or has a child, is that you don't know how you're going to respond until you go through it. We all have these assumptions about what it's supposed to be like or what it's going to be like or certainly what we want it to be like. And it's really hard then to sometimes sit and really notice what it is like. Reality, mm-hmm. when they don't meet up with our expectations, is super challenging. I agree with you completely. And I guess on some level, I would just ask that every mom kind of check in a little bit and say, you know, does this seem above and beyond? You know, mm-hmm. yes, I expected to be tired. Like, for example, in my case, I became phobic of sleep. Because every time I woke up, I was having a panic attack. I was so excited when my son and my daughter, because I had it both times, I'm a two-time recoverer now from postpartum, would cry. My response was so exaggerated that I would have a panic attack. And so finally, I stopped wanting to sleep. I was too scared to fall asleep because I knew falling asleep would mean waking up. Right. And the extreme physiological arousal and the un- and feeling unsettled was so aversive. Like I didn't want to do it. And so then I was running on even less. Right. Right. So You're trying to solve a problem and can sometimes create another. Exactly. And so in a situation like that, you know, it's sort of like checking in like, okay, something's really wrong here. Mm-hmm. Like this is beyond like, oh, the baby woke up and gosh, I'm tired. It, yeah. It's like, I'm now terrified to go to sleep. That's definitely not in the normal range. And you know what? Who's to say, really, that's that's deeply personal for every woman. Right. And so if you think something is off, just check it out. It's totally worth the time to speak with somebody and let them really suss it out with you. And also, like I said, I didn't totally get it until much later. And it was only actually through observers that I was able to put the puzzle piece together. And so talking to somebody else can really help you put the pieces together and see the big picture. Absolutely. It's really hard to make sense of how you're feeling and certainly to put it into words for other people when you can't even put it into words for yourself. So like getting that, you know, objective, another person helping to think for you and with you can be very, very relieving and powerful. So in terms of there's just so many pressures during pregnancy and birth and postpartum for moms to be dealing with this on top of that is overwhelming to say the very it's least. It's like the worst icing on the cake ever. It's like yeah. nasty, bitter icing. Yeah, right. don't. It's too much. It really is. Like, so then what do you do, right? What do you do yeah. if this is the case? What if you got the cupcake with the nasty icing on top? Okay. So here you are. You're going to definitely want to try it. If you can't do it, if you feel like you can't do it, ask a partner or a friend 
to look into psychologists or therapists that can help you and who specialize in this. And I would mm-hmm. really be picky. Right. I mean, seriously, be picky. Look for somebody who definitely does have training and experience in this because it's going to be hard enough as it is to get out of the house and take this time for yourself. You definitely want to make sure that time is well spent with someone who really understands it and gets it. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. So I definitely say be a picky consumer, be an informed consumer, and really vet who you talk to. And, you know, so who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to somebody who's had training. You want to talk to somebody who understands how to perform kind of a triage approach, mm-hmm. which is to help you resource immediately. Like, what is the thing that is stressing you out in your environment the most right mm-hmm. now? And it could be something really intense, like the sleep. Like, do we need to, you know, talk with do we need to involve a psychiatrist? Do we need to involve, like, what do we need to do? We will do anything we need to to help you feel better. All the way to, like, having a neighbor make a dinner every, once, every now and then. Yeah. Because you're realizing that integrating a baby has completely thrown off your food schedule. So we never know, and I never know, when a mom and their partner walks through the door, what the first step is. But I really try to assess early on, what do you need to be different? What were you not planning on? What isn't working the way you planned so that I can really help them do it? And then breaking down the walls of asking for help. I mean, goodness gracious. It is so hard sometimes for anyone really, but I think also for a lot of women that need your help. And I try to remind moms, this is not forever. You're not asking for, you know, infinite laundry service from the lady down the street. It's a time in your life. It is the rest of your life. So why not take the help you can? Get that little extra little space to do whatever you need if you can and go with it. 
Right. So, I mean, you're not, when people come in to meet with you, I mean, I hear loud and clear, like the, the first thing that you try and do is get some really practical things in place and look at how to take steps to work on, if it's sleep, work on sleep. If they have too much going on at home to reduce some of their mm-hmm. workload or get a partner involved and be really practical in those first steps. You're not coming in and saying like, let's talk about your childhood and let's talk about your mother. And, you know, it's not a time for deep work. It's a time for quick action and having some tangible plan in place. It is. I do always try to assess. So I mean, it really depends. Like I said, I mean, I treat everything from depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD in the postpartum world. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of does depend what they came in with. If it is PTSD, I do ask if they had a prior trauma. Yeah. Because that can actually really help me understand where we need to go with it. Because if it's coming just from the birth itself, that's a kind of a different approach than it would be if they have a history of multiple traumas. But otherwise, yes, we do a quick triage and I usually try to set them up with a psychiatric evaluation Mm -hmm. if they are open to it. Not every mom is interested in taking medication and I respect that. And I know that there are definitely ways that can be approached without that. But if they're open to it, I like to build a village. And then beyond that, once we've got kind of some things in place and we can really take a look and if there are any symptom reductions just by changing a few things in the environment and what feels like the heavy workload, and now we've kind of gotten that out of the way, you can get a clearer picture of what you're actually looking at. Is it more depression? Is it more anxiety? Is it PTSD? And then from that point on, you formulate your treatment plan and you start taking steps to help make the person feel so much better. It's not overnight. You know, I try to manage people's expectations. There's not a lot of quick fixes, but I would hope for symptom alleviation in at least four to six weeks, you should be feeling much, much better. So, I mean, just even having something to hold on to like four to six weeks when you're in the middle of feeling like this is never going to end is great. Most people, it seems like when they're coming in for help, obviously they want to feel better yesterday. But, you know, if I were a magician, that would be done. But this healing takes time. It's a process. It does. Sometimes I tell people that I don't have a light switch. I have a dimmer switch. And so I can get you burning just as bright, but you will feel incremental changes of brightness. Mm -hmm. And so to just keep coming back and hang in there. I remember, I think you did postpartum support international training too, you know, to really remind moms, this isn't your fault. It does get better. There's help. And, you know, to just really get involved in the process and hang on (laughs) because it gets brighter towards the end. It really does. Yeah. And along those lines, in terms of what should people really know about this? And I'm one of those things is what you just said is that people do get better with the right kind of help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for the moms who are listening, for the providers who are listening, if you had them right in front of you, they're listening now, you know, what's some takeaways in terms of what they should really understand and know about PTSD and maternal mental health? Well, what I would have wanted to hear <laughs> yeah. both times around is that this is not your fault and there's nothing you did and there was nothing that you could have done really that is going to make the difference. And so, you know, I think most therapists out there don't like guilt. I think guilt separates us from the sociopath, but inappropriate and yeah. excessive guilt or feeling like you're somehow broken or you caused this or that you're breaking your baby or your bond with your baby. It's not helpful. And it's just, frankly, it's not true. And right. so I would want you to know that, like, just hang that up. 
You can re-examine it later if you need to. And just know that any step you take towards trying to feel better is a step you're taking towards making your family's life better, that it doesn't work without you. And so, you know, really, if you think something is off, if something bad happened and it didn't go the way you had planned and you're not over it and if you're not able to shake it off and you're worried, please go ask for help. It's okay. And in fact, it can make things so much better. And there are people there who really, really are invested in helping you feel better and making your family work better. That's so good and so true. You know, there are a lot of people who have, you were alluding to this earlier, by being a picky consumer and finding people who are trained in maternal mental health issues and trained in supporting with PTSD. I mean, sometimes though, you know, when moms go in for help or dads or family members who are also affected go in for help, they don't always know exactly what's going on, which is why it's very useful to go and meet with someone who has some at least basic training in maternal mental health because this is mm-hmm. different. While some of the symptoms may be the same, the context is different. And there are really like specific things that people like you are trained in to help with. Right. And I also think it's helpful too, Kat, because I did go to a therapist early on the first time around and it, it wasn't a good fit, but it turned out that they did not have training. And they were very clear at the time that I had depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that wasn't, it wasn't actually untrue. It was just that the picture was so much bigger than that. And But because I didn't look like what PTSD typically looked like, it was really hard. And so, you know, to your point, if somebody has been doing this for a while or is invested in this and has had the training, then they can kind of see the picture a little bit differently. They understand what keywords to listen for. They understand what mm-hmm. it's like for, for moms and partners to be juggling as it is a difficult circumstance, but on top of that, to have it overlaid with, you know, not being able to leave your house or not being able to do anything without being terrified. So it is important. I mean, honestly, the bottom line, I'd say talk to anybody if you can, like get a second opinion if you're worried. You know, if the shortest distance is you just calling any therapist and saying, hey, do you think this is what's going on? Then I say do it. (laughs) Just take that action. But in terms of really hunkering down and getting into the work, I would always encourage someone to be with someone who has this training. Right. And that's part of the reason why we're having this discussion is to give moms and providers information these things happen, that PTSD happens during pregnancy and birth and postpartum, and that there are qualified and knowledgeable professionals who have taken the time to specialize in this and that if you're not a specialist, you can seek consultation from a specialist and just, you know, for moms to know that they're not alone is so important. So in terms of the work that you do in Calabasas Behavioral Health, you are primarily working with pregnant and postpartum moms or perinatal mental health. You have some other programs over there too, right? Yes, we do. So that's my specialization. And I just want to mention too, that one of the nice things about this work too, for anyone, moms and providers listening, that almost any orientation that you're using is helpful and can be adapted to help moms. I personally specialize in ACT, which is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and I'm also being trained in EMDR, which is a trauma therapy, but I've trained in other trauma therapies as well. You know, whatever is is out there that we know works can be adapted to help moms. So that's actually kind of good news. It's not like there's only one road to Rome, which is nice. True, Um, yeah. And then... 
The other thing that we offer, which is very interesting, is Calabasas Behavioral Health has a subsidiary called Calabasas TMS Center. TMS is transcranial magnetic stimulation, and it is a non-drug, non-systemic therapy for treatment-resistant depression, which makes it ideal, actually, for nursing moms. Mm-hmm. Moms who do not want to take medication while breastfeeding because obviously medication goes through your entire system. And the truth is, is that research is kind of in and out a little bit on what's safe and what's not safe. And so it's understandable that moms would want to make, you know, a choice that they're comfortable with. But we do know that extended depression early on in the, in child caring is it's not usually that great for the system as a whole. And so we would really want to encourage moms to get help. This is an opportunity for moms to get help while nursing and not have to worry about any effects of medication on their baby. Mm-hmm. So, and it is covered by most insurance. So that's also really nice too. Oh, okay, um, and I've personally seen it transform lives. I went from kind of hoping to knowing, and I've seen it work what I can only say are like medical miracles. Wow. Okay. So if people want to find out more information about that, they can go to the website, the www.calabh.com. Is that right? Yes. If they go to the calabh.com website, then they will see a link for TMS for depression. They can click on that and it'll go to the other website and they can talk to somebody, an intake coordinator for that. Okay. So that's great. Just highlighting that there are multiple treatment options and that is one of them for people who want to go that route and can learn more about it from your the clinic website. Yeah. Okay. I also wanted to mention too, really quickly, that I welcome the babies here. A lot of times it's really difficult for moms to even conceive of the idea of doing therapy on top of everything else. Yeah. It is a different dynamic, obviously, when a baby is in the room and when a baby is not in the room, but I really love to be able to watch mom and baby together in the therapeutic dynamic. And so I've got breast friend pillows, I've got nursing pillows, I've got face and I've got soundproof walls. So (laughs) bring your baby. If that's the way you're going to get in here, bring your baby. And I think that's so important to know that we'll make this work. My bottom line is I want more of what you want. And if you want to feel better, like we'll just do this any way we can. Absolutely. Yes. Sometimes that can feel like having a child can feel like a barrier to getting help, but right. It's super important for people who do the work like you do to allow babies in so that moms can come and get the help. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm really happy to talk to you today about a really kind of a difficult topic and something that it's hard for people to look at and really try and wrap their minds around. So I thank you for the information and all of the work you do for moms. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate you letting me kind of share my message. It's important to me and I really am grateful. Thank you. By joining us today, you are part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. You can feel better. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community.
when it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.